the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. This song talks about San Francisco. I do believe Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst with Briefing.com, located somewhere near Chicago, if not directly in Chicago. Mr. O'Hare, am I correct? That's right. We're uh, smack dab on Michigan Avenue. <laughs> Great city. Um, and San Francisco is as well. Let's talk markets. Um, do you have any comment about Ben Bernanke and basically Obama last night saying that you know, his tenure is eventually going to run up, and the market's going to have to deal with that. Yeah, you know, I think what the president was expressing was something that the market kind of was already getting his mind around anyway. I mean, uh, Fed Chairman Bernanke is sort of uh, seems to have dropped some hints that he's uh, about ready to, uh, to step down. And, um, and you know, I don't think that uh, there's anything more to the president's comments last night than, uh, than meets the eye. I do, you know, agree with what the White House's uh, assessment of that was is just that he was essentially showing respect for what the Fed chairman, uh, his service, and um, and recognizes that probably going to be someone new at the helm uh, come January. The end of ultra cheap money tied towards Ben Bernanke, who lowered interest rates in the United States, seems to be coming to an end. We might be shooting first and asking questions later, but is that your assessment of what's going on, the end of ultra-cheap money as the 10-year Treasury bond has moved from 1.6 to 2.2? Well, um, you know, I guess it depends in part on, you know, how we're going to how we're defining what the ultra cheap money is. If you know, if you're talking specifically about interest, the Fed funds rate, you know, that's not going to change for a while yet. Um, and you know, what the Fed has tried to convey to market participants is that even if they pull back on their asset purchases, they're still going to be, you know, in an accommodative mindset because the balance sheet will continue to expand. It's just not going to expand the same uh, to the same extent that it once did. Um, so. You know, in a general sense, um, I think the market is is kind of starting to, you know, get agitated at the idea that the Fed's not going to be, you know, giving it unbridled policy support, and it recognizes that, uh, you know, the real economy hasn't really met the credentials set by the Federal Reserve for, you know, starting to take back some of that support, and it's, I think, a little bit nervous that this economy can't stand on its own. Two, two legs, and so, um, and so you're seeing some gyrations not just in the treasury market, but also within global capital markets as well around this growing sense of uncertainty as to what will come next, not only with Fed policy, but 
with respect to real economic activity around the world. And um, uh, and that's a little bit distressing here because, you know, it's just breeding confusion uh, for market participants and uh, and making things probably more volatile than they, you know, need to be. Speaking of that volatility, I do a segment on television in San Francisco where kind of an everyman interviews me, one of our reporters at the station, and he's like, the market's been crazy lately. And I go, well, it's kind of prepping for the switch from super low-cost money where we hid in utilities and telecom, and now we're going to go more towards tech and energy as we start to grow. The Fed's kind of prepping us for this transition. Is it too obvious? Am I, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it almost seems too easy of a read that the volatility is going to shift to something more positive in growth. Yeah, well, you know, it's an interesting uh, interesting question, Rob, but, you know, look, you know, look at what we've seen this month, right? We've seen the rise in volatility, but you know, you know what the best performing sectors are so far month to date? The defensive oriented sectors. Okay. You know, utilities, consumer staples, telecom services and healthcare, right? Those are not, you know, the types of sectors you would expect to be jumping out here if the upward adjustment in interest rates was reflecting this belief that the economy is getting ready to, you know, take off and do just fine without Fed support. So, you know, that's one of the you know, the disconnects here that makes things a little bit confusing that even though you see days like yesterday and, and even today, you know, you got the Dow up another 100 points, um, it's it's confusing because you don't have the leadership you would expect to see right now in a market that's getting ready to, to launch on this idea that the economy can stand on its own two feet. You write a piece every day for briefing.com. I'm speaking with Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst. Uh, basically, I think it's called Page One where that's, right. mm-hmm. that's where I start my day. And you start your day at the Financial Times. You start your day somewhere else, and you start putting this piece together. And CPI looks tame. Consumer price index inflation looks tame. Mm-hmm. I'm summing up. Uh, building permits, pretty darn high, all things considered. Um, housing starts great. The fundamentals look great. And like you said, the defensive stocks are doing better than the growth fundamental stocks. And do you ever just go, ah, like I want a day off and not do this because it doesn't make sense at times? Uh, yeah, you know, I, one of the words that keeps coming into my mind these days is exasperating, right? Um, you know, the, the market behavior is exasperating. The, you know, all of the attention to the Fed and what it might or might not do is exasperating. The constant rotation between, you know, these sectors is exasperating. And, and you know, it's really pretty much a function of I think the you know the, the the dependency factor on, you know, policy support right now and and recently, you know, downgraded our market view to a to more to a neutral position. Um, you know, we didn't think, you know, in the past that, you know, the you, you needed to be in the market, you know, um, just given what the Fed was trying to do. But but we're a little bit, you know, more concerned now that the market's just kind of just divorcing itself from some of these underlying fundamental factors. Now, there's no question the housing market is improving. Auto sales are surging, right? Those are two real pockets of strength right now. But when you continue to look at, you know, labor market conditions and soft business investment and the deceleration you're seeing in China and falling inflation rates not only in the U.S. but around the globe, um, it, it really, you know, Lisa's asking, you know, how can that be with all of that policy largesse after, you know, five years now and you're still not getting any real escape velocity here? And so, so yeah, you know, it's just kind of exasperating right now to, to consider that 
fact alone, uh, but also in terms of just the the overall analysis of what's going on uh, between these you know between these markets. And so it's a little bit difficult right now, and and that's why we're essentially, you know, informing our readers to, you know, they might want to consider, you know, taking some profits off of this big run we've seen since mid-November and just kind of maybe, you know, stick to the sidelines and not feel like you need to rush in to, to do anything uh, right now because there's likely to be a good bit of volatility in the coming months here surrounding this idea of, you know, when will the Fed start to, you know, pull back on this unbridled accommodation it's been offering and which the stock market has just been eating up all along the way. With that said, I tend to hoard the first four or five questions. I always like to let you in, Pat, with what are you working on? What are your thoughts? What do we need to know? Just in case I didn't ask the right question. So microphone is yours. Well, well, thank you. Um, and your questions were, were just fine, I'll say. And, um, you know, I'm working on what, what everyone's working on, and I, I have no choice. But, you know, I'm looking at the Federal Reserve, right? You have the FOMC meeting that concludes tomorrow. And I'll be, you know, looking at, you know, what they say, and certainly analyzing how the market responds to what is said, and so that's likely going to be uh, foremost in uh, you know my upcoming commentary. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Analyst, Briefing dot com, from Chicago or in Chicago. Let's. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.